Hello, Internet and anyone listening. I'm Angelique, and this is episode nine of Read Your Heart Out. Last week, we chatted about some poetry books I love, and then I got just a little bit heated talking about my opinions on modern poetry because I truly have no self-control over my love of books, and if you've listened to me talk at all about them, you can probably glean that just from how worked up I get. But today, we're gonna change it up a little bit and not focus on a specific genre, but instead on a specific type of author. And by that, I mean it's all about the ladies on this episode, and I'm gonna go over five amazing reads of varying genres and lengths, but all sharing the common goal of being very worth the read and being written by some badass women, which is pretty fun. So to get this thing started, I'm going to quote another badass woman by Shania, by the name of Shania Twain. And with that, let's go, girls. All right, everyone. Our first recommendation is a book with so many twists, turns, nail biters, and daring escapes that it's almost impossible to believe it can be packed into 287 pages. Patricia Highsmith stepped up to the plate in 1955 and absolutely clobbered one out of the park with her novel, The Talented Mr. Ripley. It is hands down one of the most entertaining and engaging stories I've ever read, and I found myself unable to contain my literal outbursts of disbelief and amazement as Highsmith slowly adds layers of lies and intrigue to a puzzle that is already steeped in intense complexity. Our story revolves around a young American man named Tom Ripley, whose driving force in life seems to be scamming and weaseling his way into money and status. Through circumstance, he meets a wealthy older man who becomes entranced by Tom's ability to schmooze and enlists his help in bringing his son, Dickie Greenleaf, back from his much too overextended vacation in Italy. So our main players are Tom and Dickie at this point. Dickie Greenleaf is a very wealthy guy. He's young. His parents have pretty much kind of spoiled him, and now he's out in Italy living the life. And his dad back in America meets Tom, who is, as we said, just kind of a shyster and a grifter. He will do whatever he can to get money, to get power, to get status. He comes from pretty much nothing. And so he will wily and weasel his way into something in this world. And the dad of Dickie says, bring my son home. And Tom says, well, of course, because how can he stop himself from living a lavish life on someone else's dime? So, Tom goes to Italy, he finds Dickie, and also finds himself enamored with the debonair lifestyle that Dickie has been living, and losing all intentions of helping to bring him home, Tom says, let's live, and stays there. As time progresses, however, Tom's fascination with Dickie turns to obsession and eventually a confrontation forever changing the course of Tom's life. A thrilling suspense story absolutely jam-packed with situations that should be inescapable in every sense of the word if it weren't for the perpetual slipperiness of Tom Ripley. Just when you think you can catch a breath or that Ripley has finally met his match, You're thrust into a move so genius, it'll make you scream out loud like I did because Patricia Highsmith is out here 
flexing her astounding intelligence with each snare and puzzle she creates for Ripley to worm his way out. And by the end of the book, she is sure to leave a permanent mark on you as a reader with her stunning prose. I truly can't recommend this book enough, especially because of its protagonist, who should be dislikable in literally every way, shape, and form, and yet manages to charm even you, who knows all that he's capable of and sees all he's capable of firsthand as the story goes on a true work of literature and art. The, the talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Highsmith deserves its spot as a bonafide American classic because holy crap, how can one person be so freaking talented? And she's a woman, everyone. Holler, holler. We love to see badass, talented females out here flexing their freaking muscle. Besides Patricia Highsmith's amazing writing, um, Tom Ripley is a freaking enigma of literature. I am truly obsessed with him because I've never read a book. The closest I can think to of like getting out of situations that doesn't seem like it's possible is like a kind of Sherlock Holmesy type thing. And it's not even getting out of situations. It's more like, how did he even see that one way out of this thing that no one else saw? That's Tom Ripley. And a lot of the times it feels like the universe is just like, here you go, Tom, find your way out of this one, big boy. And Patricia Highsmith, I swear to God, is like, challenging herself with each puzzle she creates for Tom by being like, well, he got out of this crazy thing. How do I ratchet that up? And it's like, girl, how do you keep going up so high? I don't even understand how her brain can create the puzzle that she puts Tom in in the first place and then is smart enough to create the escape. I mean, it's this dual feeling when you're reading this book of like, wow, this main character fucking rocks on top of the, wow, this author fucking rocks. It is a beautiful, perfect awesome illustration of what literature and writing can do. And I just literally cannot freaking stop talking about it. There's a movie as well with Matt Damon, which is also really good. But again, the theme of read your heart out, everyone is read your heart out, read the original. This is actually a series of books. Um, the Tom Ripley series. I think there's like five of them. I've only read the first one. And I mean to come back to Patricia Highsmith's world at some other time. But if you saw my to be read list, you would probably beat me up. So I'm not going to add more to it. But that is The Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Highsmith. Definitely, definitely worth the read. And I hope that you guys give that one a shot. And if you do, please let me know what you thought. Okay, next up is a mystery thriller written in 2020. Aren't you guys proud of me? I'm reading modern books. I swear I don't just live in the 1800s, but that's okay. It's called Shiver by Allie Reynolds. And like I said, it's a mystery thriller and also a really cool sports book as well, which is pretty sweet because I don't usually read books that have like anything to do with sports. So that's kind of the thing that really drew me into this one. Our main characters are a group of professional snowboarders, and they're all spending the season training in hopes of making a mark in the snowboarding world. Some of our characters are already established athletes with reputations that seem to fit snugly at first, but become looser around the edges as our main character, Mila, or Mila, it's Mila, there's two L's, forms a tight bond among the competitive crowd. So when we start this book, a decade has passed since the first meeting of this ragtag group and with little to no communication between any of them due to a tragic ending to that fateful season so many years ago. So they met when they were younger. They're all snowboarders, whatever. Something very bad happens at the end of that season and they all part ways and don't really speak for like 
10 years. And then all of a sudden, Milla gets a cryptic email inviting her to a reunion at the lodge where they had all met all those years ago. And hesitantly, she decides to go. So reunited under suspicious circumstances, we watch as the remaining members of the group try to work out who invited them to the abandoned ski lodge because they are there at an off season. So there's nobody there but them. Love that trope. And they find themselves snowed in. Love that trope as well. And possibly trying to find out what happened to their friend all those years ago. So each chapter of this book is intercut with a flashback to the season in question. So as the story progresses and we create suspicions from the actions of our characters in the present time, our attitudes and opinions begin to shift and change the more we learn about them in the past. And what I really, really enjoyed about this book um, is the antagonist character, which is her name is Saskia. She's the main kind of villain antagonist person to nearly everyone in the group and as well as our main character and is also the one who tragically disappears at the end of the season, leaving nothing but mystery and speculation behind. So I like her and I like this kind of my favorite part of the book because I think she's a really compelling antagonist because there's this added element of extreme sports and competition and we watch her fight dirty to stay on top and also um, get this weird respect for her, for her game because like she's hustling and she's working to be the best. And we know that like she's a female and a female athlete at that. So she's got to work even harder to be the best, which is a whole other reason why I really like her because I don't feel like we don't really get a lot of like, good female antagonists a lot of the time. And then when you add a whole other layer of a good athletic female antagonist is something I've really not experienced too often. And I loved that because on one level, you're like, okay, I get it. She's hustling. And the other level, you're like, I could punch her straight in the nose so hard. It would feel great. But the final twist of this book might be a bit of a stretch to like the reality of whatever, but it fits really nicely with the characters and the world that's been built up to at this point. So that's kind of like a minor point of contention for me. But um, uh, this one kind of like silently sunk its claws into me. I didn't really realize that I was hooked to it until I blew through 120 pages in one sitting. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe I really like this book. Like it's pretty good. And modern, so holler for that. Uh, you guys are welcome. But yeah, I really think that it's, you know, it's a very solid mystery thriller. I really enjoyed Allie Reynolds, like I said, her writing of her antagonist characters. And also, I like how Mila, our main character, she's got secrets throughout this whole thing as well that we don't really know. And when we figure them out at the end, they don't necessarily paint her in the best light. So even our protagonist, has a bit of a dark like shadow to her, which is cool and nice. And when you write female characters, it gets a little difficult to write them as bad people or doing bad things because they can just so easily be brought to like, oh, so she's a piece of shit. Uh, no, most of us are gray. Most of us have a lot of like in between. And Allie Reynolds does a really great job of writing those characters. Even with Saskia, who's the antagonist, like I said, there's still this like thread of understanding her and feeling her plight, not necessarily plight, but like feeling her like 
wish to stay on top because of course the more competitive you become in a world this competitive you're going to do what you got to do to to fight to the top and i i really liked that aspect of it as well so if you want something that is modern written last year 2020 and it is a thrilling little mystery ride if you want a cool sports book which is fun because i don't usually read a lot of sports books i really enjoyed that then please check out shiver by ali reynolds um and if you have read that since it is a modern one reach out and let me know what you thought and if you are going to read it please reach out and let me know what you thought all right it's time to add some romance to our suspense and also go back to the 1950s with mary stewart's classic nine coaches waiting Oh my God, guys, this book is just so ooey gooey, melt in your mouth perfection. I can't even fully describe it, but our story revolves around Linda Martin, a newly appointed governess to a wealthy family in the French countryside. And I said French, which means I'm going to have to say French words. So please don't judge my terrible pronunciation. Her charge is a young boy named Philippe, the Comte de Velmy and tragically an orphan living with his aunt and uncle in the sweepingly beautiful Chateau Valmy. In charge of the estate and all its runnings until his nephew becomes of age, Léon de Valmy strikes an imposing figure in both attitude and appearance, despite his obviously crippled state. So Linda is swept into the drama and intrigue of the family and the bucolic life around her and finds that the well of mystery and danger is much deeper than originally anticipated. Then walks in Raoul, son to Leon, and the definition of devastatingly handsome. Linda, who is already prone to romanticism and the beauty of stories told, is thrust into a love story she could never have accounted for, even in her wildest dreams. Her perfect vision of the future is threatened, however, as murder and danger begin to push Linda in a race against time to save both Philippe and the life she hoped to build with Raoul. When I tell you that I could not put this book down, I mean, it's just the most luxuriously written thing I think I have ever read. I don't have much gothic romance in my library but this book oh my gosh has made me such a believer in that in that genre i felt so wrapped up in both the beauty of the countryside that stewart describes and also the puzzling atmosphere of the relationships intertwining within the estate if you want to read a book that just ticks off every box you can think of, then please check out Nine Coaches Waiting by Mary Stewart. It has got an amazing love story between Linda and Raul. It's got the mystery intrigue of threats to Philippe's life because Philippe, the, the little boy, he is going to inherit all this money when he becomes of age. And we're not sure who's trying to do harm to him because he's got so much money to his name. So there's that aspect of it as well. There's a race against the clock aspect towards the end of the book when you realize the danger is getting close. It is just so good. Once you get to, there's like a certain amount of pages towards the end where you truly just cannot stop reading. You have to keep going to the end. And I, oh my God, this book was recommended to me by a friend and I was just so freaking thankful that she recommended it because holy crap, it is truly one of my favorite books I've ever read. It's just it's just a perfect example of how prose and writing can create this feeling within us. This just like, like I wrapped myself up in this warm, cozy blanket and I just am in this world of, oh, just such amazing luxury and, and, and 
love and just mystery and it's dripping and feeling and emotion. And I just, I can't, I mean, God, I'm like working myself up talking about it. It's just really, really good. It's a short and sweet one, not difficult to read unless you don't know how to read French like me. And then there might be some instances where you're like, I definitely don't know what I'm saying, but that's okay. If you want to try out this awesome classic by Mary Stewart, then please give Nine Coaches Waiting a shot. Reach out and let me know what you thought. Guess what, everyone? I've got another modern book. This one was even written this year, 2021. Can you believe it? I can barely believe it, but that it's okay. Anyways, this book I'm talking about is called The Lost Apothecary by Sarah Penner. Yet another mystery book. It seems like I did have a weird kind of theme in mind because uh, this is like the third or fourth mystery book I've said, but there's nothing wrong about that. This story takes place in both present day and also in 1791 as it revolves around a hidden apothecary shop in the streets of London. In current day, our protagonist, Caroline, is escaping the unfortunate discovery of her husband's infidelity and finds herself on her 10-year anniversary vacation alone in London because she ain't bringing her man, obviously. So, with a history degree that was long forgotten in the face of a ring and marriage and children from her husband James, Caroline finds her fancy struck by a small glass vial she found while mudlarking. Now, mudlarking is just like in there's a river and little objects can come like be brought up through kind of the mud and the and the water from old times you're looking for like antiques and that kind of stuff it's like a real thing people do but caroline goes mudlarking while she's on vacation she finds this tiny vial and on the vial is this strange bear inscription which leads her on a quest for the source and eventually it takes her to what used to be an apothecary run by women for women with the sole purpose of dispensing poisons. So it's not your typical apothecary that gives out healings or like those kinds of things, medicines. This one is a poison apothecary for all those men who go against women, all those kinds of things. This is where our story in the past starts to take place as our other protagonist, Nella, is the proprietor of this secret apothecary and the dispenser of its deadly tinctures. She unfortunately meets her match one day in February when a 12-year-old girl named Eliza becomes yet another customer of the secret apothecary. Sent and aided by her mistress, Eliza helps to murder the master of her home, who gets a little too touchy-feely for the mistress's liking, and soon becomes ensnared in another mystery scheme when a customer arrives to the apothecary while Eliza is there and recruits both Nella and Eliza to produce a poisonous powder to administer to her husband's mistress. Now, Nella refuses because her apothecary has one rule and that it was it is that the poisons and the stuff she gives out are only used against men. She doesn't want to have a hand in harming or killing women, even though she's not sure. They might go and kill women with the stuff she gives them, but as long as she thinks and knows that it's not going to them, that's fine. She really only does this against men. But this new customer, whew, man, because she refuses, the retribution of the customer is to threaten to expose her whole operation to the police unless she cooperates. So against her will, Nella agrees and finds Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Eliza roped into the danger that should have really never been. 
1791 storyline of this book is by far the best part. Um, these characters just easily provide the most dynamic story and definitely make the most interesting choices. They have the most to, to lose and to gain from their story as well. It's not that the present day storyline is bad per se. It's just definitely doesn't shine as much as the other half, but it provides a nice resolution for the story that revolves around inner power and women finding strength in a world designed to keep them restrained. I really liked the girl power feeling of this book as well as the 18th century time period because I'm just a sucker for any story set in the 18th century. Um, but what I really liked the most about it was this idea that even throughout time, we can still harness the same feelings and emotions within ourselves and find the same strength. And like Caroline's story didn't necessarily do it for me because like her husband like cheated on her and there was this whole like weird husband storyline. The husband goes to London to try to shape things up and he tries to do all these other things to fix it. And it was just kind of like, why are we doing this? It just like didn't really seem super necessary because the interesting parts of Caroline's story were always connected to the Nella and Eliza story. So that's why I really only cared so much about the 18th century storyline. But again, it was a really, it was a really solid little book about female power and, and fighting against the system pretty much. And, and also sisterly love between Nella and Eliza because Eliza doesn't really have a family. She's like kind of sent out to work at a young age. And so she befriends Nella and they have this really nice, sweet relationship. And and uh, their dynamic is really what kept me in it. But I always want to kind of put some modern books out there if I can, just because I know I read so many older books and people just don't really read them. So I'm putting this book out here. It is very much worth the read. It is a great little awesome mystery suspense book. I really enjoyed it. Don't let my kind of some criticisms I have of it deter you because it is really good. I just, I am going to be honest with how I feel. And I really enjoyed a good part of it more than the other. But the whole thing in and of itself is a great little read. It's pretty short too, so it won't take too much time. But that is The Lost Apothecary by Sarah Penner. If you've read it, reach out. You know the drill. If not, you also know the drill. Let me know what you thought. Okay, last but not least, it's time to go full romance with by far the biggest book on this list. Um, I'm talking about The Bronze Horseman by Paulina Simons. Okay, I really got to prepare myself for this one because there is so much to discuss, but I don't want to give too much away. Um, this book is a historical fiction story set in Leningrad, Russia during World War II. It follows Tatiana Metanova, a young girl living in cramped quarters with her parents and two siblings. And the beginning of this book is the first real day of war that we experience. So with the war kind of still far from the front door of these people's homes, Tatiana meets a young officer named Alexander, and immediately a connection is sparked that is so profound and true. It carries these two through Hitler's blitz on Leningrad, as well as starvation and a constant threat of death. Their connection to each other is kept a secret for the first half of this book, and it takes on a whole new form in the second half, 
I really don't want to give too much away about the story because it's truly a masterful work of writing and deserves to be experienced with as little spoilers as possible. But the love between Tatiana and Alexander is one of the most heart-stopping things I've ever read. I physically could not put this book down. And even when I reached the final 810th page, I wanted more. I was sad that it was over. I The ending cliffhanger had me ugly crying in the shower. And I know that I've talked about crying before, ugly crying. I'm not even kidding you, sobbing. I literally was not in the shower. I had to get in the shower and cry myself out of whatever the fuck just happened in this book because holy crap, they just have a love that is so true. It is so pure. And the issue is that Tatiana's older sister, Dasha, meets Alexander first and kind of falls in love with Alexander but Alexander doesn't, you know, she's just, she's a cute girl, whatever. Dasha doesn't think too much about her. He meets Tatiana and is smitten uh, like right away. And then find out later that Tatiana and Dasha are sisters. So obviously Tatiana being the younger sister is like, my sister found you first, go be with her, blah, blah, blah. And it's hard. They can't do it. They just can't stay away from each other. Tatiana and Alexander are clearly meant to be together. And Oh my god, if it's not the love that keeps you reading, I the description of like the slow um starvation of Leningrad because they were kind of blockaded and they really were they were like getting rationed, they didn't have that many resources, that kind of thing. It was fucked up. It was like one of the most visceral things I've ever read of like we pretty much watched these people drop like flies around us because they have no food and they're like some of the older people, you know, they can't handle that kind of stuff and so it is real. It is visceral. And it's not even like the romance, oh my God, type of things that it's real. It's the hardships that are real. So that when you do get to those really tender, loving moments between any of our characters, it's like, oh my God, thank God. Like, holy crap. We just needed these breath of of softness and air. And the second half of the book kind of really shifts gears because like, it's a huge thing that happens and, you know, tables turn and all that kind of stuff. And there's you know, our, it's a love story. So the character work in the book is like already unbelievable. But when the spice hits, when the when the connection finally happens, that that build up, that slow burn we've been waiting for, when it hits, oh baby, it hits. I mean, good God, it truly just has everything you could ever want. I needed a little like fan to be like, okay, ha ha, like this is way too much, but never enough, you know, like you could always be more. It has everything you could possibly want from a romance story. And I know it said it has a cliffhanger, but do not fret. There are sequels to this book, which I didn't know. I finished the book, thought that that was how it was going to end sobbed myself dry, literally cried every tear I could have possibly had. The next day, of course, I do my hyperfixation deep dive somewhere on the internet to find out more about this book and this stuff. Lo and behold, there's a sequel. Oh, the way that I almost cried tears of joy because I was like, thank God it did not end that way. That's how freaking good it is. So please, if you want, it is a big one. If you pick it up at the library and you're like, okay, what the hell? It's huge. Don't be discouraged. It is so worth the read. It is so good. And if you finish it, you got two more books waiting for you, which is such an awesome feeling. So please, if you want some spicy, this is definitely the spiciest book I've recommended so far with its, you know, scenes of what, you know what I mean. Please check out The Bronze Horseman by Paulina Simons. I am dying to know what people think of this book. I actually got this one recommended to me from TikTok. 
I don't, I'm not a big book talk TikTok person because I think that everybody on that app is reading literally the same book and they're all just talking about the same books. So I usually take my TikTok recommendations with a big old grain of salt. I'm not a YA person and I'm not really a, I'm not even really a romance person, to be honest. I used to be in my younger years um, when I was, you know, a teenage girl because who wasn't? But I saw this one. There's really just like a couple girls that I follow on Book Talk that I really enjoy. I, I think that they have good recommendations. And she recommended this one. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And oh, straight through the heart. I was pierced. I was done. It is so freaking good. So please check out The Bronze Horseman by Paulina Simon and do what I always want y'all to do. Reach out and let me know what you thought. And just like that, we are at the end of yet another episode. That was some female author book recommendations. For some reason, they all kind of had some weird suspense mystery genre going on, except for that last one. But that's all right. I'd love to see some the, some variety in the genres that women write, because I think that we're pigeonholed into being romance authors or just like poetry authors or, you know, the girly stuff. But Women can do anything as we have been shown time and time again. And I hope that some of these books that I highlighted today sounded interesting enough for you to give them a chance. Um, if not, go ahead and tell me some female authors that you love. There is an, a female author I did not put on here um, that I realize now that um, I probably should have, but I'll probably do a whole video about her because I just love her so much. Her name is Sarah Bladel. I talk about her all the time on my other social media, so she'll probably get one of her own. But I, I don't really do a lot of my reading based on like who they are or I know a lot of people want to expand their library of like, I want more African-American voices. I want more LGBT voices. I want more female voices totally love and respect that. I, maybe this is wrong of me, but I just kind of grab as I go and, and I, you know, build my library that way. So I'm not like looking for any specific type of authors, but I know that some people are. So that's kind of why I made this video again today. Not that I have anything against reading in that way. That's just like everyone reads differently and it's not how I read, but I do have variety in my <laughs> library. Don't think that I only read like white men and white women because I don't. But that is some female authors. Um, looking towards next week, I, who I'm doing some rearranging of this podcast, mostly just trying to figure out the best days to drop it. I think that I might be shifting towards Sundays, maybe Mondays, because my podcast isn't too much of a weekend vibe. I was doing it on Friday, but like people are going out and partying. They don't want to sit down and listen to books. So I might be shifting gears and releasing on Sundays, maybe Mondays, just so that if the work week is starting and you want to relax and hear some book recs, here I am, everyone. Um, but next week, it is episode 10, which is pretty damn exciting for me. And because of that, I'm going to do a Harry Potter episode. Now, I've got some ideas of what I want to do. It'll be very difficult for me to narrow down my Harry Potter conversations because, God, do I love Harry Potter. But... Um, I think that I'm going to do just a quick, you know, go through all my things I love about Harry Potter, but I really want to know what you guys think about it as well, because I'd love to share like kind of a consensus of people, what they think about it. So like, what's your favorite books? Who are your favorite characters? What's your favorite relationship? What is, uh, what is one of your favorite moments from the series? All those kinds of things. I'd love to know those things. I also might do a little bit of a, um, back and forth between the movies and the books because, 
my boyfriend, the way that I love books, he loves movies. And so we could kind of go back and forth talking about the big, the big differences. He's not necessarily a reader. I've gotten a lot better at watching movies just from being with him for how many years that I have. But it could be a little interesting to hear the differences. And he would be able to like talk more in depth about movie stuff the way that I'd be able to talk more in depth about books. So that might be something as well. If you want to tell me your Harry Potter opinion, please come find me at the podcast at, on Instagram at read, read, read your heart out. That's three reads, read, read, read your heart out. Or my personal is Ange Suris, A-N-G-S-O-U-R-I-S. Come find me. Come chat with me. I'm always here to talk about books, always here to talk about nerdy shit or just talk in general. But until then, I hope that y'all are staying safe out there treating people with kindness, and of course, reading your heart out.